because a lot of the conflicts that we see is fear. A lot of times when we see someone not listening to the police or resisting, it's that fear. And if we can remove that fear, it would help in eliminating some of these issues. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Hey, Black and Blue fan, welcome to another edition of the Black and Blue Podcast. And this is where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. Let me introduce myself to you. My name is Dale, and I'm the host. Thank you for showing a little bit of love for this show, for a little bit of entertainment and information. If you like what you see, please consider clicking those like, subscribe, and bell icons right down here on my YouTube channel. If you listen to me on your favorite podcast platform of choice, Consider rating the Black and Blue Podcast five stars. And last but certainly not least, be sure to check me out on any one of my social media pages for even more content. You can find me everywhere at Black and Blue US. All right, so with that down, let's bring on today's guest. He is a retired detective from the New York City Police Department. Black and Blue fam, let's welcome to the show Dr. Alfred Titus. Hey, how you doing, sir? All right. Thank you for having me, Dale. And hello, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well. All right. All right. So what's going on out there in the Big Apple? Oh, a lot of things going on out here in New York. Uh, you know, crime is an issue. Obviously, policing, mm. law enforcement is always, you know, one of the hot topics in New York. So with, yeah. with crime going up. The summer approaching, there's a lot of concerns. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into all that, and we'll talk about uh, your okay. career, talk about you and what you're doing now, because you see down there on the on the lower third of the banner there, it shows that you are retired. How long have you been retired now? Yes. Uh, I retired in 2016, so it's been uh, quite some time, like, you know, five, uh, a little over five years, and um you know, I'm enjoying, I'm still in New York, enjoying uh, my time here, uh, waiting to eventually uh, find somewhere else to, to call home to finally retire 100%, you know? Okay, yeah. And I, I hear the accent coming through, the New York accent. So are you, you born and raised or? <laughs> yes, yes. Born and raised in uh, South Jamaica, Queens, a tough neighborhood. Um, you know, my parents instilled very good values in, in me, and that's what allowed me to push through all of the negativity that was around me growing up. You know, I, uh, I was a little bit in the streets at one point, you know, trying to decide which way I wanted to go, you know, looking at the flashy drug dealers back then and, uh, the yeah. cars and everything that was happening and, um, you know, 
because of my parents and, you know, the values that they instilled in me, I decided to go education, you know, so I broke away from my friends and uh, I got my education and started a career actually in electronics, uh, fixing computers and, and things like that. Um, you know, copy machines. Uh, back then, they had fax machines were 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 popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I just didn't, I didn't get the satisfaction that I was looking for. You know, uh, with that type of career. And I also realized that I'd be working for at least forty more years before I could retire. And that that was a big number back then for me when I'm only twenty something yep. years old. You know. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, you know, I decided to try something that I always wanted to do, law enforcement. I wanted to help people. So I took the tests and uh, got in and started. Never looked back. Never looked back, Mm -hmm. huh? How long did you do? Never looked back. How long did you do it? Uh, I did did 20, I did one month short of 24 years, actually. So 23 years and 11 months. and uh, I started in transit. Uh, back then, NYPD was separate from the transit police and the housing police. They later merged in 1995. So I came on in 93. Um, and I was part of the uh, Safe City, Safe Streets program where they, where, they were, where they had a huge push to clean up New York City. They hired uh, thousands of police officers to start new initiatives and increase omnipresence and community policing. So I was part of all of that. And um, I went out into the subways and uh, became a plainclothes officer very quickly. I think I only spent six months in uniform. Um, So I became plainclothes very quickly and, and got in there and helped cleaning up the city, you know? Nice, It was, it nice. was a very great time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, when they did merge with the uh, with the city PD, what, what what was your career like after that? Uh, well, things changed a lot. Um, the job became a lot more rigid, uh, a lot more structure involved. But in addition to that, we had a lot more opportunities. So at at that point, I decided that I wanted to become a detective, and I went that route. Um, I became a detective um, and got into the homicide squad um, after some years, and I enjoyed that tremendously. Um, I worked on some great cases, met a lot of great people, um, and uh, became a hostage negotiator as well. Um, but uh, one of the things that I always um, that always remained with me was that my goal when I became, when I got into law enforcement was to help people and was to make contact and make connections. And well, when I say make connections, I mean, with the community, try to uplift the community wherever I could, the young people, you know? So when we had investigations, I was that detective who always spoke to the the young people and ask them, what are you doing here? Why are you running with these people? Why are you in the streets? What happened to your education? You know, and I would try to build a rapport with them. That was always who I was. And and I became known for that. And with certain cases, that really helped a lot. And, you know, I was able to break through certain cases just with that uh, mindset involved. 
Yeah. Yeah. That That's always a good skill set to have, to be able to talk to people, to gift to gab. Would you say you had the, the mm-hmm. gift to gab or was it just really interpersonal <laughs> yes. relationships? Yes, yes, yes. I had the gift to gab, but, but, but at, at the same time, I would also, I was also the guy who kind of laid back in the cut for a minute and just watched the situation and then decided which way I was going to enter, you know, yeah. which, which, what, what actual element of the conversation that was taking place was going to allow me to come in. And, and that's usually where I focused on. Yeah. Yeah. So as a hostage negotiator, I mean, you know, being able to relate to people regardless of where they came from, Mm -hmm. I'm sure is a, is a pretty big skill as well. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. We had a lot of great cases with the hostage negotiation team as well, which, which in NYPD, it's not a separate unit. The hostage negotiation team is you, you're, you're, so I was still in homicide. And when there was a hostage job or a barricaded person job, I would get a call and I would break off from what I was doing in homicide and go take care of the hostage negotiation job. So it was like a dual role, but uh, being able to communicate was key because that was the focus. Keep communicating with the person, get to know as get as much information from them as you can, and then, you know, try to recycle it and use it to get, you know, to break down whatever barriers exist. So, you know, communication was, was key. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for our viewers and listeners out there, you know, that I'm sure have watched many TV and, and, and uh, movie shows uh, uh, over the years where they say in, in hostage negotiations that we don't negotiate with, you know, hostage takers. We don't negotiate with terrorists, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's kind of <laughs> counterintuitive to what the position is, right? Hostage negotiator. Absolutely. 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 And we do, we do negotiate. We don't necessarily uh, give in to demands, but we definitely negotiate. Our goal is just to talk, even if it takes four hours. I've been on negotiation jobs that have taken four, six hours. Sometimes there have been some that take days because that's the goal. Just keep them talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they Mm -hmm. definitely break break you so that, you know, you can get some rest and then somebody else takes over. Yes. But, you know, that's part of the tactic where, you know, um, unless they got a rapport with you. I mean, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. It's important to build that rapport. And when you don't, then it's important to for you to give up the reins to someone else and, you know, maybe they can build that rapport. So that yeah. all of those things are, are important tactics. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then uh so as a detective with NYPD and uh and and homicide, dun dun, you know, that's law and order, right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so i love you, uh, that show too man i yeah. watch that all the time <laughs> so so w- would you say it's pretty realistic you know if for the most part absolutely um out of all of the television shows out of all of the law enforcement shows that are on today um law and order, law and order besides the fact that it's open and closed within one hour besides that obvious <laughs> Besides that, it is <laughs> it is the most accurate. As a matter of fact, they have taken our cases from NYPD itself and used them. And I've seen several of my own cases that they have used. Um, you know, they add different twists to it, but it's the same basic case. And 
it's yeah. very realistic very real yeah i mean they they gotta you know jazz it up a little bit for tv and all that you know add exactly. a little bit of dramatic <laughs> points and all that sort of stuff but yeah i mean they they even say so in, in the beginning of the show that you know some of these are you know kind of real life cases they mm-hmm. change the names and this yes. that and the other you know to but it's you know ripped from the headlines as they say mm-hmm. absolutely. absolutely yeah 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 and then uh going back to <laughs> i wanted to say this when we we're talking about when you were in transit um that was the same from the movie um money train right they they were trans right? money train yes. yeah remember that that's remember exactly that how it was yeah. too man we had so much fun <laughs> Yeah. We, you know, and 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 not being under the umbrella of NYPD allowed us a lot more freedom. So we we had a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. You know, things yeah. kind of changed when NYPD took over. But you know, it was you know, I I was to be honest with you, I was just honored honored to have been in a position where um, I could work in in communities where my people were because I. In transit, I worked in Harlem and Washington Heights. And for those of you who don't know New York or these particular areas, that's a, that's a wholly African-American area and a Hispanic Dominican area. Um, so I was able to work in a community with my people. And that, that brought me so much satisfaction, so much joy um, from both sides, you know, being there to communicate with them as well as to help the families by helping to lower crime and 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 remove a lot of negativity from their community so it was positive all around Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and going back to when you talk you were talking about uh you know you coming up and all that and then you kind of had to break away from from your peoples from your from your buddies and all that how do they feel when you finally you know decided you're gonna go the route and be in y pd yeah well You know, some of them were proud of me and some of them actually followed suit. However, there were those who, I mean, I had one one friend in particular that I hadn't seen for maybe a year and I ran into him at the gas station and, you know, he's still his, you know, he's still street and all of that. And I'm kind of like a little bit, you know, different i guess i'll just say you know yeah. and you know he he rolled up on me and he said yo i heard you're a pd now i can't i can't f with you no more you know and i was wow. like ah. i was like all right man you know do you just be careful out there man. you yeah. know so he's still running around doing his thing and you know it it, 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 it wasn't a bad situation it wasn't a bad it wasn't a, a conflict but you know there are a lot of people that I no longer were able to be friends with. I'll just say that. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and that's just the yeah. nature of, you know, being in law enforcement and, you know, some of the people that you, yes. you ran with in your youth. Yeah. Yeah. We can totally understand that. And then, uh, yes. NYPD being, you know, the largest department in the, in the U S in the largest city in the U S um, is pretty, pretty diverse nowadays, as opposed to when you, when you first came in, what, what do you think about that? The, the yes. efforts to recruit yes. more Absolutely. black and Hispanics. Absolutely. That, um, uh, when I first came on, we were just sprinkled in, uh, but now you're, you're seeing a lot more of it. They're rising up through the ranks. We have an African-American female police commissioner. The mayor yes. is, is African-American. And, you know, so, so, so there are a lot of positive um, things happening within NYPD. Um, it will always be a huge government 
you know, entity. And, you know, there are certain aspects of it that will never change. And but the racial diversity is one of the things that is changing. And that's a positive thing. Um, I would still like to see more young people see NYPD or see law enforcement as a possible future, you know, and because the rewards are great. Let me tell you, and uh, you know, and everybody who, who's at, who's listening, who's in law enforcement, the pension alone, I mean, I can't even, I, you know, sometimes I can't even um, understand how I sit home and I could do nothing if I chose to, and I'm getting a check coming in every month, and it's, and it's a nice check, and obviously it's for the hard work that I put in, but you know, to be able to work 20 or 25 years and then be paid for the rest of your life, you know, that to me is the biggest thank you for the work that we do and the risk that we take, you know, and, and, and I try to get more and more young people to understand how important a pension is, especially in today's world and the way the world is going, how important it is to just have something like that that you can bank on. It really makes a difference in your life and generationally you know yeah absolutely and you talked about you yeah. know that uh you could sit around doing nothing but you but you don't you're obviously doing some other things we'll we'll talk about that yes. um you know okay. I, I see the 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 sir the title in front of your name doctor there what, what uh, you were a doctor of what yes well i am i have my phd um in public policy and administration with a criminal justice specialization. So because education was always important to me, while I was, when I became a detective, I um, I got into a program, NYPD, and I'm sure a lot of other law enforcement agencies have a lot of scholarships, which is another thing that I try to inform young people of. So I took advantage of one of the scholarships. I got a full scholarship to get my master's degree. And I got that while I was a detective. And because I have children, um, I have three children of my own. Uh, the youngest is 25 and the oldest is, uh, who am I supposed to know this, uh, 37 or 38. I can't you remember. You're putting you on the spot you know. there. <laughs> putting you on the spot, Al. So, you know, exactly. So I always wanted to be a example to my children. So. Um, I decided to go for my doctorate degree. And um, so I, I started that as well, not on scholarship. They didn't have scholarships for that level. But um, so I got my doctorate and um, I just been pushing forward ever since. You know, education has always been important to me uh, from day one, from the minute I decided, from the, from the minute I made the decision between the streets and education, it's always been education through my, from my bachelor's all the way up. And, um, you know, I just follow that. So yeah, that's nice. who I am. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, so what are you doing now in retirement? Well, I'm doing a lot of things in retirement. <laughs> so, um, I teach, um, I teach at the college level. I teach at John Jay college of criminal justice. Um, that's one, I think it's, it's one of the leading criminal justice schools in the country. Um, as well as, um, I started several businesses. I, I started a nonprofit where I run webinars, life skill webinars, 
I have a college scholarship going every two years in, in the name of my mother. Um, I wrote a couple of books. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely staying busy and, and I keep my hand in law enforcement. And so my goal with teaching, as far as teaching at John Jay College, is that I feel that I am able to connect and educate and enlighten a lot of the future law enforcement professionals because the majority of people that go to John Jay College end up joining NYPD or some other law enforcement agency because that is the focus of the school. So with me being able to um, let them know what it's really like in policing and things like that, which is part of the books that I wrote, are geared towards that, you know. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very busy. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and, and yeah. talk about these these books that you've written. Okay, well, I have them here. I don't know if, if I can okay. hold them up if you'll see them. Okay. So this yeah. is the first book. It's called Forward Motion, The Keys to Progress and Success. Now, this book was written for the young person on the street or who is in the position that I was in when I made the decision to choose uh, one life over another. Um, this is a motivational empowerment book. It shows you, it teaches young people how to avoid the obstacles that can destroy their lives, that can take their lives in the whole wrong direction. Um, it teaches them to make the right decisions, to follow through, to, to be aggressive with your dreams and your plans. Um, this book was written um, with uh, my son in mind at the time. Uh, he was going through some things and um, I kind of wrote this book almost as a message to him, as well as um, when I was working in NYPD, one of the one of the last homicide cases I dealt with was involving a young male named Jamal. And I had had a conversation with him on a prior case and I gave him information on a young on a a person in the community that could get him into a GED program. And he promised me that he was going to follow through and, you know, get off the streets, get away from the gangs he was with and uh, dealing which he was doing and look into a GED program and then fix his life. And the very next homicide that I had after speaking to him, um, the uniform officer on the scene informed me that this individual had my card in his pocket. And when I pulled back the sheet and saw that it was Jamal, it really hit me harder than a lot of the other um, homicides that I had dealt with. And I realized then that it was time for me to branch out of NYPD and try to reach more youth if possible. Because as you know, sometimes communication with law enforcement is not the best communication for these young people on the streets. They don't necessarily want to hear what we have to say when we're in uniform or when we have that badge and gun on. But right. as as a black male, I felt like I could reach them more, um, being a little bit disconnected from NYPD. And that was one of the reasons why I retired and, and went into this line of work um, as nice. well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so this book was to help those, you know, those individuals who just lack mentorship, lack guidance, you know. Mhm. Mm yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And Very important. And do you have the other book available? Yes. So 
after that, I wrote this book, uh, The Personal Side of Policing. And um, I wrote this book after teaching at John Jay College for some time, for about a year or two. And the students that I would run into in John Jay, my students had so many questions. What's it like? Is it really, you know, is it really bad? Do you really not get to spend time with your family? And they had all kinds of questions from yeah. big questions to small questions. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to write a book. And it's going it's, it's to explain everything, the pros and cons. It starts with the salary and the pension and all the other positives. But it, but it goes into the, the camaraderie. It goes into dealing with the public, how difficult that can be. It goes into how it affects you mentally, all of the different things that you deal with, the things you see, uh, the tough skin you're supposed to have, all mm -hmm. of the difficulties um and i wrote this book to prepare those going into law enforcement for what they were going to get into the positives and the negatives you know so that was that book you know and then <laughs> it's, it's not over yet <laughs> <Got more>, eh? <laughs> Accomplished. Yeah. finally yeah the last book i wrote let me see if i can put this one up um the, person, uh, the police are part of our community. Now, this is a children's book, and it has great graphics, uh, great pictures and things inside. And I wrote this book because um, this, I wrote this book during COVID when, um, when the George Floyd and the Breonna Taylor cases and, and those things came up and became very popular. And it seemed like the world hated the police at that point, even more. It, it, it became worse. The sentiment towards police became worse. And I began to realize that there were a lot of conversations being had in households, at dinner tables, uh, you know, in the street with, you know, young people. And a lot of times there were young children in the vicinity, either in the family or just there, listening and picking up this information and not really understanding it because they they're young and what that does is that makes them afraid of the police you know and the last thing we want is for law is is for children to be afraid of the police because a lot of the conflicts that we see is fear a lot of times when we see someone not listening to the police or resisting it's that fear and if we can remove that fear, it would help in eliminating some of these issues. And I just did not, you know, I grew up, you know, when I was in policing, one of the things that I loved the most was when a young person came up to me and said, hi, police. And they were so happy to see us and we shook their yes. hand or, you know, that that is such a great feeling, you know, and I felt like that may be becoming lost on this new generation of young people. So I wrote this book to show young people how policing, you know, how police are supposed to be in your community, what their job is to help you and be be positive and things like that. But I also wrote it so that parents can have can initiate a conversation with their children about policing and the police role in our society. And you know all things like that, you know. So I wrote the book with the, so that hopefully the parents can read it to the children, 
Um, there's a part of the book that has um, vocabulary words, and it's not a vocabulary book, but there is a part where I show police training. And on the board of this police training, uh, let me see if I can get this right. The is. instructor is teaching the police about these different terms. And in the back of the book, yeah, we um, got, I uh, define all of yeah, yep. for, for, de for our listeners. is the first one. Yep. You got de escalation, de -escalation. cultural de awareness, community policing, professionalism and respect, criminal law, police science, uh, social science, and police tactics. Right. So. And then I define these words in the back and the definitions are so that the parents can explain these things to the children and, you know, just have a fuller conversation about policing and what policing, are, what police are supposed to be doing in our communities and what they really do for the most part in our communities, you know. Um, so with that, you know, I'm staying busy. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> sounds like see. it. Man, totally sounds yeah. like you, you got to yeah. stay busy, mm -hmm. and it totally sounds like that you are. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate yes. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, since you wrote a children's book, and, uh, you know, just recently, last week, we had that tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, where the, uh, yeah. the young man went into the uh, elementary school and killed, what was it, 19 kids and, and a couple adults mm -hmm. there as well. What, what were your yeah. feelings when you heard about that? Um, quite a tragedy. Um, you know, um, it's, it's, it's sad to see that there, there are so many, um, issues in our community that would cause more and more people to turn to that type of violence as a way of handling situations. Um, it, it 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 definitely is a very sad situation, and and we as as a as a country we need to come together and find solutions. Whether it be the gun laws, whether it be mental health issues, or as I feel, a combination of all. I think we have yes. multiple issues. I think it is not just the gun laws. I think it is a combination of everything. And if we address them properly then I think we can we can see positive outcomes because it's definitely not getting any better. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, you know, you hear the, the, the two a people that are uh, really pro gun and they talk about, you know, there are already laws on the books. We don't need more laws on the books. Criminals don't follow, don't follow the gun rules and regulations and laws anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're just hurting the, the law abiding people that want these AR 15s and, but you know, New York has a pretty, pretty, pretty robust and strict uh, gun law, and and you don't hear. I mean, although you do hear violence in New York, you rarely hear of assault weapon uh, things going on in New York. You know, and it, it is it possibly because of the the strict gun laws? What, what do you think? I think so. I th I think that you know, although you know, gun laws don't completely keep keep guns out of the hands of, of criminals. Um, the AR-15, in my opinion. Ping, I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but I think that's a law enforcement military weapon, period. Yes. Any other way, you know, there's no reason for anyone to have that unless they are preparing for some kind of action, you know, and we should not be preparing for that. So, you know, um, but yeah, New York 
we have a lot of guns in New York, but they're handguns and they're, you know, and, and, and these are illegal guns coming from the 95 pipeline and coming from, from down south and other states where the laws are, um, more relaxed, you know. So I think gun laws play a role in this situation. It is not the only solution, though, but it is a big part of it. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the mental health portion of it, um, you know, people that, that usually do these sorts of things have some sort of mental condition that needs to be addressed. But, you know, easier said than done. Uh, I, I don't know what, uh, you know, there's always going to be red flags here and red flags there. Yeah. Um, you know, and yes. we and it, we need to act on them but as law enforcement. But, you know, uh, there's no monitoring across, you know, across the board and, and, and all social media and, and, and what's going on in people's homes and all that. You know, obviously, pol uh, police law enforcement needs to be tipped to these sorts of things. Hey, Johnny is, is right. doing this and Johnny's doing that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's something that we need to discuss as a society because, you know, this doesn't happen anywhere else. Not that anywhere else has the, the gun culture that we do in the U S but, uh, you know, right. you don't hear this in, in many other countries, right? Exactly. Exactly. This does not happen in the other countries. So we obviously have a very unique situation here and, um, you know, some parts of it, you know, all our freedoms and rights, and I understand that, but we still need to control what's happening. You know, there, there is obviously, and, and, and I had this conversation with one of my students recently, <clears throat> you know, a, a student who felt like, you know, guns are not the problem. And I said, yeah, I, I understand guns are not the problem. And, and this, this actually, this student actually said that a person with a knife could do just as much damage. And, and, and I agreed. And I said, you're absolutely right. I know that as a fact. However, that it's not happening with knives. It's happening with guns. So let's address the issue, what it is, and stop trying to stop it. You know, it is guns. So let's address the gun issue. It is mental illness. Let's address the mental illness issue. One one of those issues can be fixed immediately. The other one, which is mental illness, is going to take time. So we can work on both, but we have to address both, not just one. Yep, for sure, for sure there. Yep, and, uh, you know, um, another thing that kind of took place, New York has been a brunt of a lot of, you know, maybe not the school shootings, but uh, a lot of terrorist activities that have gone on. In, in New York being, you know, the Big Apple and one of the mm -hmm. premier metropolitan cities in the world. Where were you during 9-11? Uh, well, actually, during 9-11, I was actually working. And um, I ended up down at the site. And um, I ended up helping because I was um, a detective at the time. I ended up being stationed for the morgue at the morgue identifying the body parts and going through oh, wow. and rubble after the fact but um it was a day that we you know anyone who was there will never forget um it just seemed like the world was coming to an end that day it was it was unbelievable way beyond our wildest dreams you know it was crazy crazy day and then there's so many people that are that are still dying from what happened that day so yeah. Very sad day. Tough day. And I lost several uh, friends as well that day. 
Yeah, I can imagine. And yeah. when I was there a few years ago, I visited the uh, the memorial site, and it's really powerful, mm-hmm. like you said, really powerful. So yeah, 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 it is. Very, yeah, very. and and did you have to go through any? Um, I'm sure uh, you and, and many of your colleagues had to go through uh, some mental health evaluations and, and kind of help you through that yes. afterwards. Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, thankfully, there there is a very strong World Trade Center program that um, that monitors our health, uh, mental and physical health, provides complete coverage for anything World Trade Center related, whether it be mental or physical. And so, so, so we are constantly, even to this day, still being monitored and you know, given the assistance we need. So it, you know, there there are guys that have uh, uh, 9/11 PTSD, and these these they're going to sleep and just can't function because of what they they saw that day. You know, or some graphic images that will just never be removed from your mind. You know, and it, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that that's that's. Man, just even watching that, you know, the documentaries and, and everything that took place that day, you know, I, I can only imagine yeah. that, you know, I thank you for, for your service over there and, and getting through it. And uh, yeah, man, I, and, and I love New York. I told you off air that, you know, we went there before. We plan yeah. on going there again this summer. And man, I, I, I love New York. New York is, is mm-hmm. it, you know. Yep. It's uh, great city there's a lot going on right now but it's still a great city yeah yeah man i i don't know how you guys do it in the winter though let me let me i will say that yeah (laughs) the winters can be tough yeah the cold weather and the snow i mean it's something to get used to you know yeah yeah and since you were born and raised you you don't know no different but you know i'm out here in cali and you know it gets below 50 i'm like yeah it's cold You know what I mean? I wish that was like, that was as low as it got here, man. No, um, no, I, I know, I know for really sure. It, it, I know for sure it definitely gets a little bit colder than that. And, and I noticed over mm-hmm. there that uh, you don't really need a car because the, the public transit is is really good over there. And to, you know, if you do yes. have a car, you got to pay for pay for parking, and it's kind of tough to pay. Yeah. You know, so. You know, it's a pretty good transit system. And uh, so mm-hmm. NYPD is handling all the transit now, huh? There's no, no more transit. Uh... Yes. Right. Yes. NYPD handles on transit and housing. So. Okay. We're, but, we're all under one umbrella. But uh, but there's a separate agency, right? The Port Authority or is that correct? Yeah. Well, the, the uh, Port Authority handles the bridges and tunnels, but there's also a MTA which handles the subways and the buses, they have their own police department as well. And so does the Port Authority. So there are a lot of entities that actually come together. But for the most part, as far as the subways and the buses, it's usually NYPD. Right, right. Because NYPD nowadays is probably what, like 30,000 strong? Is how, how, how big was uh, the height so- when, you, when you left? When I when I when I start when I came on during the Safe Street Safe Safe Cities program, they boosted it up to over forty thousand. Wow. Um. Now it is somewhere between thirty and thirty-five thousand, which is still Man. tremendous about a police officer. <laughs> that's yeah. That's almost a cop on every corner. It sounds like. 
<laughs> that's what it sounds like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a lot of it's a lot of cops, man. You know, that's, really that's a is, bureaucracy. Really. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. And to be it able to to be able to manage is. all those people and and all that that's that's got to be a a major thing because that's as big as some cities. You know, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. What what are some great memories that you that you have of, of working working the streets in New York? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, one of one of the the things that I enjoyed about being a detective in New York is that we got to travel a lot, which was one of the things we did on a lot of cases. Matter of fact, I, I was in California on one of my cases. Now that I think about it. I was in San Francisco area, and I got to see the Golden Gate Bridge and all that type of stuff. But um, we also had cases that took us to some uh, very unusual places. Um, I had a hostage negotiation job while I was in the homicide squad where I had an individual that was threatening to jump off of one of the bridges that connected Brooklyn and Manhattan. And it was my job to go to speak to him and get him to come back in and, you know, give up, give up that. So, but in order to reach him, he had climbed over the eagle and was like on a, on a, on a ledge kind of underneath the bridge. And I had to be roped up by ESU, which is our emergency service unit, which is uh, comparable to like a SWAT team in, in some of the other um, police departments. So they had to rope me up and hang me off the side of the bridge to speak to this guy. And it, it was it was amazing when I when I actually, you know, there were a few moments where, you know, fear kind of kicked in. And um, but at the same time, I was um, kind of honored as crazy as this is going to sound, I was kind of honored to be the guy who was hanging off of a bridge, being tied down by NY, being, you know, held by NYPD and actually doing something that I never thought I would be doing, you know, and it was it was just one of the the, the more memorable cases in my career. And, and just so that, you know, the reason that I was that, that they had me tied. They had a, a huge rope around my waist. And the reason was, was because in case this individual decided he wanted to jump to his death, in case he decided to, to grab me on his way down, that they would be able to pull me back up. <laughs> and, and so when you kind of think about that, it's like, wow, like, you know, you know, yeah. so, so one of the things that, that really, thrilled me and motivated me about policing same thing that most people do not do policing for the fact that i'm willing to put my life on the line for someone else that is such an i don't i don't even know if honor is the right word but that is it's such a great feeling you know um and and that drove me to to you know get involved with a lot of different aspects, take a lot of training and do all kinds of things with hopes of, 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 of getting those type of opportunities to actually affect someone's life. Absolutely. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, 
All right, Al. Uh, I appreciate you coming on to the show, man. It's, this is a great conversation okay, with you. I learned a, learned a lot about NYPD and all that. But, uh, hey, you are not done. I got uh, a, a little trivia thing I'm going to do. With, not trivia. A little question and answer thing here for okay. you. And this is called the... Superhero, he was black. He said, this is for the street. Black Lightning's back. All right, this right here is my Black Lightning round. I'm just going to throw a quick question at you and you throw a quick answer back at me okay we can learn a little bit more about uh dr alfred titus and maybe some little bit about ny so you ready for this mm -hmm. i'm ready all right so if i were to visit new york what's the best restaurant me and my family needs to go to uh wow uh i would say city crab probably city crab in on um yeah, City Crab. City Crab. City Crab. In right, Manhattan. I'll, I'll look <laughs> yeah. Look that up. Look that right. up. <laughs> uh, Yankees or Mets? Yankees. Yankees. <laughs> I mean, that was a hey, yes. there's some Mets fans out there. I had to ask. Yes, there are. And, 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 and I'm actually from Queens, but I do like the Yankees better. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, other than your parents, somebody that you, that you looked up to or was a mentor to you coming up? Hmm. Well, I listened to uh, there. There's a motivational speaker, Les Brown. Um, he, I listened to him a lot growing up. Um, I had a lot of. I also had individuals in the police academy. Uh, instructor Fillmore and uh, Inspector Jackson in the police department. Those are people who I kind of modeled my policing career behind okay all right you, you know you kind of answered this earlier uh you know best show about nypd you said law and order um let's talk yeah. about uh you know any movies about nypd what, what do you think is the best movie that's ever depicted oh, nypd wow. hmm. think come to mind i can't think of any off the top of my head but 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 but, but i'll tell you this even though um even though Law and Order is the movie, is the television show that I like the most about NYPD currently, the show that actually got me into policing was a show called Starsky and Hutch back in the day. Yes, and and we yeah, and, and that that was my yeah. I mean that was my favorite show growing up, and yeah, me and my too. friends would actually play that in the street, and I was always Starsky. So I like to like roll around on the ground, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was, it was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. It comes on, <laughs> it comes on reruns out here and I, I catch that whenever I can every now and then. Yeah, Huggy yeah, bear and, yeah. and the captain that was always bear, screaming. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, captain Doby was his name. Yes. That's captain right. Oh, Doby. Man. Real. Real. Um, so yeah. when you first started, was NYPD were they wearing the light blues? Um, yes, they were actually. Okay. We were wearing the light blues. Okay, yeah. so 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 your preference, the light blues or the dark blues? Definitely the dark blue. Definitely the dark blues. Definitely. Why is yes, that? You, definitely. I think it looks more professional. It, it, That's what we wear out here in the on the West Coast. But I think so too. Yes, yes, and I think they modeled it after the West Coast because they realized, as a matter of fact, Bratton came from the West Coast at that point, and he, I think, right. I believe he may be the one that changed it over. Oh, okay, yeah, to the blue yeah. shirts. Yeah, yeah, I think he was, he was LAPD. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes, he was for a while. Yeah. All right. Um, furthest place you ever visited on a case. 
Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Okay. Puerto didn't Rico. Want, yes. Didn't want to come back yes. from there, huh? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> Beautiful place. And I've been there several times since, but, um, you know, it was, that was my first time and I loved it. You know, we were looking for uh, someone who had, you know, someone who took off on us. So we were, we found out that he had went down there to a family. So it was a good case. Right. Okay. And last, uh, you know, uh, L, uh, New York is where they say the birth of hip hop. So uh, LL or or P Diddy? Ah, LL. I'm sorry, LL, LL all the way. He's from he's from Queens too, Farmers yep. Boulevard. So yep. Farmers, yeah, yeah, yes. definitely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, my brother. I appreciate uh, you coming on to the show, okay. man, and and having some fun with me and all that. Uh, before I, before I let you go, uh, just some words of wisdom, some parting shots uh, out your door here for my viewers and listeners. Yeah. Um, well, you know, through my empowerment speaking, I always tell people, listen, follow your dreams, uh, be true to yourself and, 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 and stay focused. You know, with mental health being the focus now, take that time out. For, the, for your mental health, you know, take a break, spend time with family, whatever the case may be, but then get right back onto your grind. You know, uh, we have a society that, you know, seems to, you know, want to, well, you know what, I'm not even going to say that, but just <laughs> stay focused, get the job done. <laughs> stay focused, get the job done. Yep. Easy words yes. to live by. All right, my yeah. brother, I appreciate you. You know, you stay stay safe out there in, in uh, Big Apple. Okay. And, uh, hey, if you ever make yes. it out here to, to Southern California, look me up. All right, will do. Thank you. All right, brother. Take care, yeah, everyone. All right, y'all, that does it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank retired NYPD detective Dr. Alfred Titus for coming onto the program. I appreciate your service, sir. And look forward to picking up one of your books in the future. If you guys out there enjoyed this interview too, be sure to click that like button right down here on my YouTube channel. Or rate it five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on right now. I'll be back in another couple weeks with another informative and entertaining interview. But till then, I know what I'm about to say. Stay black in blue. I'll holler at you. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.